Good morning, Fairdale. Open in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the very last chapter of, of Genesis. We're going to spend time there this morning in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. As I look out, um, it, it, it pleases me to see a lot of people that I know and that I love, people that I served with here at Fairdale, people that I got to know over the course of, of 12 years of uh, Fairdale being uh, a church to me, a church to my family, of um, a church that walked through um, a lot of stuff with us. Very, very, very thankful to see all of you. I'm even more thankful to see some of you, many of you, that I have no idea who you are. <laughs> that makes me happy. It makes me happy because I know this. I know that the work that was started 102 years ago, that was started in the name of Jesus Christ, that was started so that people who were in Fairdale from every other place, from every other nation, so that people here would, would come to know the Lord Jesus. And it, it does me good to see this church filled the way it is and to see all these people that I don't know. That's a good, good thing. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. It's kind of a funny thing that you'd ask a librarian to come and preach to you. In, in one sense. In another sense, it's not. Um, the first pastor here uh, back, in, back in 1916 was a guy named T.A. Johnson, who was uh, also a, a librarian at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Louisville. So it, it, it's not without precedent, even though it's not the thing that you would normally think of. When I, when I think of Fairdale, I think of, um, I, I think of a lot of memories. I think of memories of us going on uh, men's camping trips and staying up into, into the late, late night, uh, doing things like playing spades and, uh, and then getting up in the morning and, and going fishing together, of us playing here on the grounds, uh, cornhole and worshers and, and all, all sorts of, of games like that and just, just have a fellowship together. I think, of, I think of Brother Andrew back in the back in two consecutive years going on camping trips, breaking three chairs, three chairs in two years as he sits down and they just crush underneath him. He's not that big a guy, but he's got power when he sits. I think of, of this carpet. That may sound strange, but I remember the day, the very day when... Uh, we had only been here a few months. We decided to, uh, the church voted to take, up, uh, to take up the carpet that was here. Sometimes in a Baptist church, that can be kind of a contentious thing. Uh, but there was no argument over the carpet. It was just, let's get this stuff up because the stuff that we had here was, was old and, and, and this was laid and it was, it was beautiful and it still looks great. I think of, I think of, um, I think of the church walking through uh, the adoption of our son uh, when we adopted Russ. Every year on April 14th, I, I 
pull out pictures and look, and I see uh, us over at a court in Louisville, and there's just a slew of people from First Baptist Church Fairdale that were there uh, to see Russ brought into our family. I think of weddings. I think of Tracy and Chad Welsh being married here and seeing one of the best weddings I've ever seen. And, and, then, and then watching deacons dance at a reception <laughs> from a Baptist church. Um, I think of funerals. I think of a lot of funerals. Man, I think of, I think of teaching a Sunday school class of senior adult men who, for some reason, had the patience to listen to me, uh, even though I was, I was just in my 20s, um, and who listened to me patiently, who taught me how to live, who taught me how to be a better man. And I think of walking with them in life and then walking to their graveside, some of whom I preached their funeral, some of whom I literally carried to the burial. I think of these, these types of things when I think of Faraday. I think of the way that I lived for nearly 10 years over in Louisville, and we would drive down, uh, me and my family, we would drive down uh, about 25 minutes down 65. Um, we lived near the seminary for 10 years. We would drive down 65 to come down here every, every week, three, three times a week at least. Often we would pick people up. Sometimes it would be a, sometimes it would be a seminary student. Uh, this is how I got to know Nate Martin, who was here. Uh, Nate is doing well now. He's he's pastoring a church in uh, in North Carolina and just doing great. Um, I think of of picking up uh, Miss Joy and bringing her down week after week. Um, and I think, you know, I lived for 10 years in, in Louisville, and it took us a while to realize, hey, we just need to move to Fairdale. And I can remember that 10 years, we would drive home to South Carolina, and when we would drive home to South Carolina, there's a, there's a certain place near where my mom lives where, where the road just snakes around, and all of a sudden it it's snaking around, and you start to go down a hill, and boom, there are the Blue Ridge Mountains right in front of you. They're just right there. And for 10 years, I would get there, and I would see that, and I would think, this is home, right in South Carolina. 
And then after we'd been here about 10 years, we decided to buy a house over on Babe Drive in Fairdale. And I can remember the first time we drove home down to South Carolina, pulling through those roads, seeing those mountains, and not feeling like this is home. Because Fairdale had become that to us. Fairdale had become home to us. And it, it changed everything for us. We are, we are so thankful for Fairdale. So thankful for what it's meant to us. So thankful that, that Fairdale became our home. And that we had the pleasure of, of, of living here and being here and doing ministry here. And so as we, as we think about those things, as we think about uh, funerals and as we think about home, let, let's, let's look at Genesis 50. We're going to start in verse 12 of Genesis 50 and go through the end of the chapter. The Word of God reads, Thus Jacob's sons did for him as he had commanded them, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in a cave of the field of Machpelah to the field east of Mamre, which Abraham brought with, uh, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephraim the Hittite to possess as a burying place. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent him a message saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this word of hope, this word of promise. And Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, descend upon us and help us to see the truth here. Help us to hear your word. Help our hearts to be stirred. And help us to be moved to action in all of our lives. Father, I ask that you would help me to speak clearly and to speak nothing but your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning, as we, as we look at this text, I want us to look at, at, at three things that we see as we look at, at Joseph's faith displayed here displayed here in the book of Genesis. First, we want to see that, that Joseph was where he was for God's good purposes. Joseph was where he was for God's good purposes. Second, we want to see that Joseph's home was not his home. Joseph's home was not his home. But finally, we want to see that Joseph trusted in God's promises. Joseph trusted in God's promises. So first, Joseph was where he was for God's good purposes. Now as we, as we come to this text, we realize that it, it, it occurs right in the middle, and you can see this, right in the middle of two funerals. You have the funeral on the one hand, the funeral on the one hand of Jacob. Jacob is the, the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the one to whom God gave uh, the great promises that we see in the book of Genesis. So God makes these promises to Abraham. Abraham's a man who's living in a, in a land called Ur of the Chaldeans, and God calls him out of this land, and he says, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to give you a better land, and I'm going to bless your people. And this land that you are to live in is going to be called the land of Canaan. And so this promise goes to Abraham, and it goes to his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his descendants. And so this Jacob, this Jacob is Abraham's grandson. He's the receiver of the promise. He is one who has been promised this land. And yet, Jacob is not in his land. He's not in the land that God promised to his grandfather. Jacob, when we open the story, is living in Egypt. And the reason he's in Egypt, the reason he's in Egypt is because God put him there. How did he put him there? Well, Jacob was living in his own land. There was a famine that was going on. But before the famine took place, <coughs> Jacob's sons had gotten mad at one of their, one of their brothers, Joseph. And so they, they took up Joseph and they said, we're, we're irritated with you, so we're going to kill you. So they threw him in a pit, tried to off him, tried to get rid of him. And then one of the brothers convinced the others, hey, let, let's not kill him. Let's at least get something out of this. Let's sell him. We're going to sell our brother. And so they sold him off. They sold him off to a group of Midianites. 
who in turn turned around and sold him to a group of Egyptians. And so this Joseph that we see here was sold into slavery, went off into the land of Egypt, not of his own accord. When he got there, he ends up working for someone else. And while he's working for him, he just gets better and better and better. And he's, he's over this, this rich man's house. And then he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. He gets thrown into prison. And yet he continues to trust God. And while he's there in prison, lowest of the low place that he could possibly be, while he's there, he continues to trust God. And God brings him out in a miraculous way by letting him be a consultant for the Pharaoh, the king over all of Egypt. And so Joseph now has been the consultant to, to, to Pharaoh. And what we see in this text is that Joseph is looking at his life and he's realizing that I am here for God's good purposes. I've been to prison. I, I've, I've been sold into slavery. And yet all of this was ultimately for God's good purpose. Joseph had an assurance of God's sovereign purposes for his life. He's not where he would expect to be expected to be. He's been ripped away from that. But despite that, he continues to hold fast, knowing, knowing that he's where he's supposed to be. And you see this evidenced in what he responds to his brothers with. His brothers come to him after the death of their father, and they're like, look, this guy is second in command in Egypt. We, we, we sent him off into slavery. The only reason he's kept us around is out of respect for dad. He, he's, he's been trying to respect dad. Well, dad's gone now, and it's going to be payback time. We have got to do something. And so they, they cock, uh, concoct this story of, uh, they concoct this story saying that, that Jacob had told him uh, to go to Joseph and say, please forgive this transgression. And when Joseph hears it, he says to them this, behold, he says to them this, don't fear. Don't fear, for I, am I in the place of God? In other words, you don't, you don't have to fear me. I'm not God. I'm not your judge. I'm not going to judge you. He said, look, guys, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Like Joseph, all of us need an assurance of God's sovereign purposes in our life. We need to know that we are where we are because God has us there. Whether that's in the good times or whether that's in the bad, even as Joseph had, we need to, we need to realize that God has us where he has us for his purposes. And so what, what did Joseph do as he found himself in the places he was? 
as he was in Potter's house, as he was sold into slavery, as he was in the prisons. Well, he did what you see in this text. God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive. In other words, he looks out and he says, God has me where he has me in order that while I'm here, I might serve those around me. God's good purposes including, included his doing good to others even to those who had wronged him. Think about it for a minute. Here Joseph is, he's looking at his brothers. They, they have without a doubt wronged him. They, they basically stripped him of his youth. They threw him in a pit and then sold him off into slavery. We can imagine that his life for many, many years in Egypt was, was, was probably hellish. It was probably awful. And yet wherever he went, whether in Potiphar's house, whether in, uh, whether in prison, or whether in the, the, the highest of the highest roles in Egypt, whether he was in any of those places, Joseph sought to serve the people that were around him. His, his being where he was in Egypt not only saved his brothers, but it also saved the Egyptians and other nations as, as Joseph's wisdom prevented people from dying from a famine. And we know this, is to, be, we know this to be true. If you go downstairs, right on the wall, right on the wall, you, you have the mission statement of First Baptist Church Fairdale. First Baptist Church Fairdale exists to what? To glorify, to, uh, to proclaim Jesus while loving and serving God and people. This is, the, this is the point of our lives. This is what God has called us to. Is that while we are where we are, we are to serve those around us for God's glory for God's glory. Think for a minute of, of Jeremiah 29.7, if you want to flip there. Jeremiah 29.7, Jeremiah is told he is to write to the people that are in Babylon. They've been taken off into captivity. They're not in their land. They're in exile, far from home. It says, starting in verse 5, this is what the Lord God says to you. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take, uh, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. There's many of you here this morning who Fairdale is, is not your home. You've moved here. Maybe you've come here for 
seminary. Maybe your, your family moved here uh, for a job in Louisville. For many of you, you're like me. When I came here back in 2002, this was, this was not my home. You're like Joseph in Egypt. This is not your home. And yet God has you here for his purposes now to serve and to work right here. Not looking forward, not looking forward to where he's going to place you later on, but to serve right now and right here where he's planted you. There's some of you that Fairdale is your home. Some of you may be getting, getting older and thinking, man, I've done that. And yet God calls us to continually serve where he is. I remember when I, when I came... Uh, within, within a couple months of coming here, um, Josh Powell came to me and he said, would you, would you consider teaching the men's Sunday school, the men's senior adult Sunday school class? And I said, sure, I will. And the first day I walked in, uh, it, it, it was filled with men like, like Bob Samuels and Don Haynes and, and uh, Bobby Baker and, and Russell McDaniel. And I remember Mr. Russell looked over at me and he said, So you're teaching this class, and I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Well, you know, you know how you graduate and go up every year in Sunday school classes." And I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Well, the next graduation for this class is always heaven." And so, <laughs> but what I saw over the 12 years that I was there was a group of men who that may be the next place that they were thinking they would graduate to, but they continued to push and they continued to strive and they continued to seek the good of Fairdale. They were men who, who were, were willing to do benevolence work. They were men who were, who were willing to go and help serve at the King of the Bluegrass and who were willing to help serve meals to feed the, uh, to feed the football teams or, or the soccer teams or the basketball teams here. They sought the good of Fairdale. And we too are to seek to fulfill that good in the place that God has us now. I was reminded of this uh, so clearly a few, a few years ago. Uh, I had left Fairdale, had left Louisville, went to Southeastern Seminary, and <clears throat> went there to be the director of the library at Southeastern Seminary. And, and I'd been there, I don't know, six months, a year. And I was talking to this lady who, who works for me. And uh, she, she had had, she's had numerous difficulties over the course of her life. But her name's Michelle. And she had, had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I thought, you know, I've got a wife. Her name's Michelle. She's been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. We've walked through this for 10 years at this point. God has me here. He, he has me in this place at this time. And part of the reason is 
I understand what this family's going through. I can minister to them. I can point them to Christ. And in the same way, he has each of you, each of you, where he has you, right now, for his sake, for his glory, so that you might serve. Secondly, we see that Joseph's home was not his home. Joseph's home was not his home. Joseph here, we're reminded of this in verse 15, I mean in verse 22, Joseph remained in Egypt. Now remember, Joseph was a young man, he was living in Canaan, and he was ripped away from that land. He, he's older now. Uh, if, if we had to guess, he's probably, he's probably at this point in his 40s or 50s, maybe 60s, uh, when his father passes away, somewhere, somewhere in that range. But he comes back, and he remains in Egypt, he and his father's house. He remains there, but this is not his home. We know it's not his home, and he tips us off to this because of what he says about his bones. He says in verse 24, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land into the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. He said, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Joseph's home was not his home. He was living in Egypt. He was living in Egypt, but he was looking for a better country. He wants to be buried in Canaan. His father was buried there. This is the land of the promise that in Genesis 15, 13, God promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. He wants his bones to go back there. He's looking for this better land. And he tells his family, God is going to bring you up. Joseph is not only looking for a better land, but he is looking for a better land in spite of his own prosperity. You know, there, there, is, a, there is a sense in which Joseph at this time is in one of the, the richest nations in the world, and he is effectively the second in command in the, one of the richest nations in the world. He probably could have had a pyramid. He probably could have had the nicest burial that you could possibly ever have. But in spite of his own prosperity, in spite of the adversity he had already been through, he is still looking. He's looking for a better home. He's looking for his bones to be buried in Canaan. In a similar way, we are to be those who are looking for a better home. Never satisfied, never satisfied with this as our home. Think of what's said in, in Hebrews 13, uh, verses 13 through 14. Hebrews 13, 13 through 14. It says, for, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come through him, through Jesus then. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such 
sacrifices are pleasing to God. We need to live life, even as we live here, in spite of our adversity or our prosperity, looking for a better home, because we know this is what is to come for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Notice all of the adversity that Joseph had been through, the fact that he was locked in prison, the fact that he was wrongfully accused, the fact that he was sold into slavery, all of that did not strip him of the desire for Canaan, the better home. And this is a threat to us. One of, the, one of the chief threats that I think Christians face in their lives is the threat of adversity turning us from trusting in the Lord and looking towards, looking towards that better home that God has for us yet to come. At the same time, the prosperity, the prosperity didn't make him waver in looking for a better home. Think about it. No one outside of Pharaoh is probably richer right now than Joseph is. No one. Second in command. No one. And yet he says, don't bury me here. Go ahead and embalm me. Go ahead and let my bones stay here. But send me back to Canaan. It's the better home. It's the, the promised land that God has promised us. Not only that, but Joseph was pointing his family towards looking at a better home. Verse 25, he, he makes the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from here. He looks out at the children of Israel and he says to them, you're to remember too. You're to remember too that there's a better home coming. And you're to be looking for that home. We are to take comfort that in Christ, if we know him, that there's a better land, that there's a better home. Never becoming comfortable here. Never becoming so weighed down by our adversity here that we forget that. Third, Joseph trusted in God's promises. Joseph trusted in God's promises. As we've already seen, God had promised both land and blessing to Abraham's family in Genesis 15. And Joseph here again, as we've already seen, Joseph told his family, God will surely do this. He will surely send you back to Canaan. Genesis 15, this is promised. Abraham knows that his, that his people are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. Joseph has heard this story. And he says, look, it's coming. God is going to do this. Wait for it. It's coming. I mean, you think about it. Joseph could have said, Hey, guys, go, go ahead and bury me in Canaan. His, his father, 
His father had already been buried in Canaan. There was a precedent there. They could have asked, let Joseph's bones be buried in Canaan. But as a kind reminder to his family, he says, no, you leave my bones here. Don't, don't take them back to Canaan just yet. You take them back when God fulfills his promise. You take them back when God does what he says that he's going to do. Joseph was looking towards the promise, trusting in the promise that God has given. In the same way, we should look to the promise that God has given, the promise that he has given to us. But what are those promises? What are those promises? First of all, there's the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ. There is the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, if we were to go back to the beginning of this book of Genesis that we're reading today, we would see how God created a world that was right and that was perfect in every way. And he put a man and a woman in it with one command. The only thing that they had to do was not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they're there in that land, and yet they, they eat from it. God had promised, on the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And as they ate from it, death entered the world. The things that we see all around us, war, death, sickness, these are all fruits of the eating of that fruit. These are all part of that. But God in his mercy, God in his mercy, rather than let death reign, God sent his son into the world, Jesus Christ, so that he could come, he could live a perfect life, he could die the death that every single one of us deserve. And he could die that death on a cross. And he sent him into the world to do that. Why? Not for cruelty, but the word of God tells us because he loved the world, he cared for it. And so he sent his son into the world so that we might have life and we might have salvation, so that eternal life could be given to us. The Bible tells us that that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone who, who, who calls upon the Lord Jesus can be saved. Now what, what does that mean? It means, first of all, that we, we believe in him. We recognize our sin. We turn from that, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and was resurrected for our sake, that we might have right relationship with God, and that we might have life forever with him. So he promises, he promises us salvation. We have that promise in Jesus. He promises us peace. We think of Romans 5.1, where it tells us that because we've been justified by, uh, justified by faith, that we have peace with God. Anyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ 
can have peace with God. I, I remember in my own life, I was a, a lost, lost 21-year-old man who was running from God, was a hater of God, and God in his mercy opened my eyes to the light of his gospel. And he gave me something that I would never had. That was peace with him. And he promises us peace if we come to him and bow the knee to Jesus Christ. He also promises us a new creation. You see, as I, as I talked about a while ago, this world has been plunged into, a, into sin. And we see all around us the effects of that. Sickness, death, war, all of those things. And yet God promises a new creation where he reigns and none of that reigns. We see that especially in passages like Revelation 21.2. Revelation 21.2 where the Apostle John sees what is to come and he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is the promise that we are to look for. Salvation. Peace in his presence and a new creation. And just as God was faithful to take the, the children of Israel out of Egypt, to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, to take Joseph's bones home, even as we know that we see in Exodus that he did, so God will be faithful to us. So he'll be faithful to us. As I talked about earlier, I still remember that day driving, driving to where I grew up in South Carolina and remembering, remembering or, or realizing that that place was no longer my home. Fairdale helped me realize that my home was not my home. And we need to see that even now, the places where we are are not our home. While we're here, we seek the good of the city where we are. While we look for the better city that God's promised. Let's continue to do that. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this, this word and we thank you for the life of Joseph. We thank you for his faith. God, we pray. We pray that you would help us to uh, continue to look for that city, that city you've promised. That we would continue to seek the good of this city, the city where we now dwell. And that we would rest in your promises as we wait for that day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.